The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Good morning. This is your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm back after a few weeks. You know, um, I was in the midst of teaching a powerful series titled The Magic of Thinking Big. And today I'm going to continue the series so we can keep going so you can get what you need to get. So um, the the chapter I'm teaching today is how to think and dream creatively, how to think and dream creatively. Now, this is important because part of what he's doing with this book is building on the concepts. He's starting with certain things and it's building to help people understand the totality of what it means to to think big because a lot of times people might not understand some of the nuances of thinking big so that's what we're going to continue to do today what does it mean to think creatively how does it how do you do it what are some of the signs of it how do you know when you're not thinking creatively because all of those things are signs to let us know what we're doing uh that what we're doing that will help us gain the success we desire and it will also give us clues about what we're not doing so we can make sure that we get the results we desire again when it's all said and done we all make demonstrations but i'm i'm focused on helping you get your desired demonstration your desired demonstrations your desired results right now not you know when you die by and by right now so let's get to it one of the things i am requesting is that while you are following along with this series that you actually make sure you get the book the magic of thinking big by david schwartz because it does make a difference all right so let's get to it 
so he gives some examples on page 100 of my book. He gives some examples where he says, what it, well, what then is creative thinking? And he gives some examples of a low-income family devises a plan to send their son to a leading university. That's creative thinking. A family turns the street's most un- undesirable lot into the neighborhood beauty spot. That's creative thinking. A minister develops a plan that doubles his Sunday evening attendance. That's creative thinking. And he gives example after example. On page 101, he states, creative thinking is simply finding new, improved ways to do anything. I'm going to add to his definition, but I want to make sure I drill down on this one first. Creative thinking is simply finding new, improved ways to do anything. I would So I want to emphasize finding new because sometimes creative thinking is not just finding new and improved ways to do a thing, a new way to do a thing. Um, it's, let me, let me take a few steps back. I want to focus, first of all, on sometimes creative thinking is creating something that nobody even realized they needed. It's not just a new way of doing something. It's, it could be viewed as a new way of doing something, but so outside of the paradigm of how people normally think that they didn't even realize that they needed it. Anybody that's old enough knows when you, if you grew up in, a, in the world when there were rotary phones and now you have you know, a supercomputer in your, in your pocket, in your purse, with the modern cell phone, that's a big difference. The cell phone by itself eliminated not just regular phones, pay phones, alarm clocks, the use of having, you know, a, a, a computer for many people. They don't have those things. It eliminated calendars. It eliminated, you know, ways people check their health. You got health apps that take your blood pressure and your heart rate and all different type of things. It created a new paradigm. You know, it, it, it eliminated calculators for a lot of people. It was it was a total way of, of not just doing one thing in a new way, but multiple things in a new way. It created a new world. So when you're talking about creating creative thinking, sometimes you're creating a new world and sometimes you're creating a better way to do a thing. The difference would be, for instance, between a car that has all the bells and whistles from 1968 versus a car that has all the bells and whistles in 2020. Both cars can be great. And even the car in 1968 could be iconic, but it doesn't necessarily match up to the safety measures of 2020, for instance, and, and all the other bells and whistles. Now let's get to it. Going back to his definition, creative thinking is simply finding new improved ways to do anything we really have to drill down on what that is saying to us new and improved ways to do anything there is a new and and there's a new and better way to do anything and this is the, one of the challenges with religion many times and i'm only going to touch on this for a moment because i have a bigger agenda to teach today meaning the chapter Anytime you you look back in the past and say, okay, that's absolute truth and it can't be better. It can't be explained better. It can't be enhanced. 
it can't grow, it can't develop, then you have created an icon out of something. And we have to be very careful that we don't create a, the mentality that spirit is always evolving in, through, and as us. And the world is supposed to progress. Everything can be better all the time. All right. So how do we create work with creative thinking? So he gives a few steps. First step, page 101. Believe it can be done. That's step one. Believe it can be done. Now, this is really important. He wrote, here's a basic truth. To do anything, we must first believe it can be done. Believing something can be done sets the mind in motion to find a way to do it. Oh, I love that. So if you say there's a way, your mind will start working towards a way. When you are resigned to the experience or the situation and you say it can't be done, then your mind stops working to find a solution. So it's important to ask yourself the empowering questions about how it can be done. How can you make the money that you desire? How can you be the weight you desire in a healthy and holistic way? Let me add that because I don't want to assume that that would, uh, isn't, would be interpreted properly. Uh, and anything I say, obviously, I'm talking about in a holistic and ethical way. How can I get the relationship I desire? How can I have the peace of mind I desire? How can I have the career success I desire? How? How? You you have to start believing that it can be done and asking yourself the question to get your mind going. So you don't turn off the creativity within you by giving up before you even start. All right. So he, he gives a great question. He, he gives an example about working with some uh, leaders and he used the question, how many of you feel it's possible to eliminate jails within the next 30 years? And then, of course, he got all of the reaction. You're going to put these criminals on the street and you want to, you, you, you know, we need more jails and all this other stuff. And did you read the newspaper? And then he just said, OK, well, assuming we can eliminate jails, how can we begin? And then the people's minds start working. Then he said, next thing you know, he started getting answers like work to eliminate poverty. Most crime stems from low income levels. Uh, conduct certain research to spot potential criminals before they commit a crime. crime. Uh, educate law enforcement personnel in positive methods of reform. Now, this book was written, I believe, in the 50s. And he was using that example to just help people see that once your mind starts working towards how it can be done, the creativity starts to flow. So he gives the he gives us the statement on the bottom of page 102. When you believe, your mind finds ways to do. When you believe. Now, let's go back to what Jesus. He would say it this way. According to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith. All right. Then he goes on to say, this experiment has just one point. When you believe something is impossible, 
Your mind goes to work to prove why. But when you believe, really believe, something can be done. Your mind goes to work for you and helps you find the ways to do it. Remember, belief is what you accept is true. That's it. It doesn't have to be true. But if you believe that is true, if you really believe or accept it's true, it can be done. Your mind starts to work towards how it can be done. All right. So he gives some uh, more points. He said, um, in a similar fashion, you can find ways to like a person if you believe you can. In other words, some people just turn their minds off towards people uh, without giving them a chance. I'm not saying don't follow your intuitive knowing. But sometimes people uh, mix intuition with personal likes and dislikes without reason. So just know the difference. Work with it, all right? He says, you can discover solutions to personal problems if you believe you can. You can find a way to purchase the new larger home if you believe you can. Belief releases creative powers. Disbelief puts the brakes on. Believe and you'll start thinking constructively. Now, let me just add this. You've heard me say it before. Belief is the activator of faith. That's why over and over again, you'll see in the Bible, and Jesus used to say it, uh, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe you can be well? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Why? Because it's necessary Activate and release your creative capacity. You have to believe. Now, moving on. The author goes on to say, your mind will create a way if you let it. If you let it. And he gives a story about the guy who wanted to go back to school at first. He says, no way I can do it. I got, you know, wife, kids, you know, responsibilities and he figured out a way once he accepted that I want to do it and then opportunity showed up that allowed the schooling to be paid for on scholarship now here's here's what's interesting about it I can remember telling a minister uh, some years back a new thought minister in UFBL uh, he popped in the church some years back and, and I, he told me that he wanted, you know, we had had some previous conversations about him going into the teacher program to become a UFBO teacher. And I, I basically said, hey, you know, what's going on, you know, with your goal? He's like, well, I would love to do it, but I, I can't figure out a way around that right now. My job et cetera, et cetera, but primarily the job responsibilities. And I remember saying to him, the gist of it was, if you decide you're going to do it, God will figure out the how. You just got to decide. And he left. He bought what he needed to buy in the bookstore. He drove, uh, I guess, almost home, turned around, came back to the church, signed up for the program, came into the bookstore to see me at the time I was the bookstore manager uh, at CUT. And he said to me, 
you better be right. I just signed up for these classes. And I said, don't worry about it. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of responsibilities at work. But you've made the decision now. Got to figure out the way. That's a part of the process. Make up your mind first. Sometimes we, we try to deal with the what and the and the how at the same time. And that's not the method. You have to make your mind up first. Then you get to the how. As Reverend Ike used to say, you must be definite with the infinite. You must be definite with the infinite. And as I tell my students, if you want to uh, eat at the restaurant, I believe it's on the 99th floor, or 98th, whatever it is, at at the John Hancock building, which is one of the tall skyscrapers. I believe it's the second tallest skyscraper in Chicago after the Willis Tower. And it's a great restaurant on the the top floor. You walk into the John Hancock building, you get on the elevator, the elevator door closes, the elevator won't go anywhere until somebody presses a button which is choosing the floor they want to go to, and then the power of the elevator activates to take them to the floor of their choosing. Now, here's the thing. The power of God within you, around you, as you, and not just, you know, the power is in you, but you got to recognize it's not limited to you. The power just is. The power to help you produce the results you desire The power is already available. The question is, have you made a choice? Are you convicted? Are you convinced that this is what you desire and you have gotten definite with the infinite? You just have to be clear about it because if you're not clear, what will end up happening is all of this power is available. And you might be at the whims of other people's choices because, you know, if you get in the elevator and the elevator isn't moving, if somebody on another floor that you don't want to go to starts presses the button, the, the power will activate and take you to another floor, a floor you don't desire to be on. Here's the thing. That's what happens to us in life. Many times, because we're not clear, We don't have a mental equivalent. We don't have the clarity of thought and the conviction of feeling. We don't have the mental blueprint. We haven't made the choices and became definite with the infinite. We many times are living on the quote-unquote floor of other people's lives. But if you want to be a big thinker, you have to be definite with the infinite. All right. So then he goes on to say on page 105, Believe it can be done, right? Believe it can be done. And then he wrote, I love this. Number one, under believe it can be done. Eliminate the word impossible from your thinking and speaking vocabulary. Impossible is a failure word. The thought it's impossible sets off a chain reaction of other thoughts to prove you're right. Oh, I love that. Jesus said, he said, with God, all things are possible. Now, just because it's possible doesn't mean it's 
always probable and plausible for you, depending on the stage you're you're at in whatever the particular field is. But is it possible? Yes. Is it, is it possible? Now, the thing about it is when we start playing around with is anything possible, we go to the absolute extremes of life. You know, people want to fly like Superman and, you know, shoot, you know, heat vision out of their eyes or, you know, and do all these miraculous superhuman feats. How about just practically making your life work the way you want it to work? Is that possible? How about having more month than money? Is that possible? How about having a sense of satisfaction, purpose, and fulfillment? Is that possible? How about having the health that you desire? Is that possible? How about having the love you desire in your life? Is is that possible? How about the career success you've been imagining? Is that possible? What ends up happening many times when we start going to extremes is because we don't want to deal with the details of our own lives because we've become resigned to them being the way that they are. And I'm saying it doesn't have to be that way. It's possible that it could be different. And sometimes that's all you're holding on to. I remember, uh, you know, my spiritual uh, brother, Les Brown, used to always say in the 80s and 90s, he was famous for this. It's possible. It was one of his main lessons. That sometimes it's difficult to say, I know I can do it. Everybody can't say, I know I can. But you can say it's possible. And it's possible many times is what is necessary to get you going forward and toward your goals, your dreams, and your desires. It's possible. Number two, under believe it can be done. Think of something special you've been wanting to do, but felt you couldn't think of something special you've been wanting to do but felt you couldn't he goes on to write now make a list of reasons why you can do it many of us whip and defeat our desires simply because we concentrate on why we can't when the only thing worthy of our mental concentration is why we can make a list of the reasons why you can do it this is what I want to do this is why I can do it this is why now again i'm not telling anybody to put your head in in the sand uh in a hole in the sand and pretend like everything just functions on automatic i'm not saying that at all what i'm trying to do is help you understand the techniques of thinking big because success leaves clues all right He goes on to write on page 106. This is lovely. He was given an example of of a newspaper uh, uh, article when they said it was too many counties in one particular state and the reasons why. 
And then why people say, well, we can't do that, even though it would be better for the citizens at a lower cost, you know, meaning I'm assuming taxes. Then he goes on to say, that's an example of traditional thinking. The traditional thinker's mind is paralyzed. He reasons. It's been this way for 100 years. Therefore, it must be good. It must stay this way. Why risk a change? He goes on to write. Average people always have resented progress. Oh, I love it. I love it. Average people have always resented progress. Oh, man, that's great. That's great. And that's what I always tell people. Even two steps forward and one step back is still one step ahead. Many times we get caught up in the one step back that we forget that we've taken two steps forward. So if you're trying to get somewhere and you take two steps forward and one step back, you are actually progressing. But we get so stuck on the one step back, we forget that we were able to take two steps forward. And if you learn enough, you'll discover that there are going to be times where, for whatever reason, misunderstandings, miscommunication, uh, uh, improper execution, you might end up in, uh, you know, in a step back. But don't lose sight of the two steps forward. It makes a difference. So he goes on to uh, write about a a person who named Dr. Van Braun, who wrote, man belongs where man wants to go. And I love that quote. Man belongs where man wants to go. So where you see yourself is where you belong mentally. Now, again, everything I teach is within the ethics and morality of the spirituality that I teach. So I'm not saying, you know, anything unethical or whatever. What I am saying is you have to see yourself in your dream and where you see yourself, you you have the creative capacity to be able to go there in reality, in physical reality, not spiritual reality. Spiritual reality, you can go there anytime you want physical reality and demonstration and manifestation as far as results requires several factors. But if you don't get the thinking right, none of it matters. None of it matters. You can be skilled. You can have experience. You can have the connections and still fall on your face because you are because you don't have the thinking part right. Life is consciousness. What that means is, as Reverend Coleman used to say, I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. And as I say, I am a mental field that is always fulfilling itself. Don't forget it. So it looks like it's almost time for our our break. You know, I want to make sure you're getting this good stuff. Hopefully it's beneficial to you. And when we come back from this quick break, we're going to continue to deep dive into chapter five of the magic of thinking big you're listening to unity online radio 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. Before we go forward, I want to make sure that I do my brief commercial. So first of all, you can follow along with Christ Universal Temple by checking out our live stream, which is available on our Facebook page, uh, Christ Universal Temple, and our YouTube page, CU Temple, the letter CU, excuse me, and the word Temple all together, which is 1030 a.m. until noon Central Time. So make sure you, you plug in so you can stay in tune with what we're doing. We also uh, teach on Facebook Live Monday through Friday at noon Central Time. You want to make sure you hear me. I'm doing one today, matter of fact. Uh, I normally do Wednesdays and Fridays, but sometimes I alternate based upon the needs. So you want to make sure that you're getting those great lessons. I want to remind you that this show, Truth Transforms, has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you go on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, like the page and give it a five-star review. It is also the quickest way to get in contact with me. If you are reaching out to me and you don't want to call Christ Universal Temple, call the church. It's a, it's the, it's a quick and easy way to get in contact with me. I actually do check the messages. Also, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, all that stuff. But the show, this show that you're listening to, if you listen to it online, it is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and any app that carries podcasts. So share the material. Let people know what's helping you get over. I want to make sure as much as we possibly can that we get this information out because my goal is to help you get the results you desire spiritually, relationally, your career, your prosperity, your health, your peace of mind, whatever it is, my goal is to help you get results. And when I teach these old school books, chapter by chapter, or if I have guests, they're all for the purpose of helping you get breakthroughs to enhance the information that you have to live a better life. So let's get to it. All right. Back to the book, page 106. So he gives some examples about how some people think that there's a best way to do a thing. And he wrote, I love this. In truth, there's no one best way. Now notice he said one best way. He didn't say there are best ways because there are best practices. But here's the thing about best practices. Even they can be approved, improved on. So let's keep going. In truth, there's no one best way to do anything. There is no one best way to decorate an apartment, landscape a lawn, make a sale, rear a child, cook a steak. There are as many best ways as there are creative minds. I love that. There are as many best ways as they are creative minds. Uh, so you might think of a way of doing something that I never thought before. You know, so then it go, he goes on to say on page 107, nothing grows in ice. If we let tradition freeze our minds, new ideas can't sprout. Make this test sometime. 
propose one of the ideas below to someone and then watch his behavior. And he gives some examples of some things. And what he's what he's doing is by just putting a statement out there just to test, okay, if we did do this, what would be the, you know, how could we do it? All right? And just play with it a little bit. So he goes on to write, traditional thinking is, a pers- is personal enemy number one for the person who is interested in a creative personal success program. Traditional thinking freezes your mind, blocks your progress, and prevents you from developing creative power. Here are three ways to fight it. Now, these points are really good. Number one, become receptive to ideas. I love that. Become receptive to ideas. Now, Johnny Coleman used to always say, God answers prayers with ideas. That was one of her popular statements. You should, When you pray, you should be looking for the idea. That idea is your, is your angel visitation. Because it's a messenger from God. An angel literally means messenger from God. So the the angel is carrying a message. Well, the idea is carrying a message of what's possible for you. So he goes on to write, welcome new ideas. Destroy these thought repellents. Won't work, can't be done, it's useless, it's stupid. In other words, you got to just, when you get the idea, you have to be willing to work with it. Now, here's the thing. Just write the idea down initially. What I do with ideas, anytime I have an idea about anything, I put it in the notes of my phone immediately. Possibility has a short shelf life. Do not assume you will remember the idea. When it comes to you, write it down. If you wake up and you had a dream and it was a great idea, have a mechanism to record it. If it's a voice memo in your phone, if it's writing it down in your notes, if it's ha- if it's a nightpad, uh, or you keep a night uh, something to write in all the time, I don't know what it is, but you have to do something. When I'm driving and I get an idea, I call my work phone and I leave myself a message so I can come back later and put the notes in my phone. I've put sermons and workshops and all type of stuff in my phone way before I ever taught it. An idea. Play with this idea. Read this subject. Sermon topics. All just ideas for programs for uh, that I've delivered around the country and beyond. All in my phone. Well before it comes up. I outline my classes in this podcast in my phone. I'm like, okay, I got to teach this podcast. I read the material. You know, you create some outline stuff. You write, you know, start scribbling some notes. And then next thing you know, the ideas start coming. You got to make sure you can capture it. All right? Call this person. Do this. Do that. Whatever. I don't care what the idea is. Make sure you capture it. Now, then the next thing is, number two, be an experiment mental person be an experimental person break up fixed routines expose yourself to new restaurants new books new theater new friends take a different route to work someday take a different vacation this year do something new and different this weekend but this can be challenging 
because we like what we like. And I'm not telling you not to like what you like, but it's easy to fall into habits and not try new things. Go somewhere different for vacation. Go somewhere else to eat. You know, people would, you know, people do something sometimes just to be different. There are people who, you know, live and got a mortgage or they pay a decent amount for rent and they'll go downtown to Chicago and stay at a nice fancy hotel with a restaurant just for a different environment. Sometimes you have to just change it up. Go do some different things. One of the things that Reverend Coleman taught us as ministerial leaders and uh, Reverend Wells is definitely on this is go to different spiritual organizations, churches, and see what they do. Go to their conferences. Go to their church services. Uh, meet with their leaders. Talk with them. Because you might discover that people are doing some things that you didn't even think of. Like, man, I didn't think about handling that situation that way. It gives you a different way of thinking about it. Uh, you have to be around some different type of folks especially the people who are where you want to be. All right. All right. He goes on to say, be number three, be progressive, not regressive. All right. In other words, don't just get caught up on this is the way we've always done it. Can it be done better? Can it be done differently? And if that's the case, look at it. All right. He says on page 109, I love this. Successful people like successful businesses live with these questions. How can I improve the quality of my performance? How can I do better? How can I improve the quality of my performance? How can I do better? You know, I'm a big sports fan. I was just talking to the Unity producer about football and the woes of being a Bears fan. It's tough sometimes. Uh, but I'm also a big Chicago Bulls fan. And it's tough being a Bulls fan these days, too. But one of the things that I loved about the watching the Bulls back in the day was the maturation of Scottie Pippen in particular. Why? Why Scottie Pippen? Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. The Bulls already had the best player ever. And people knew that pretty early on. But he couldn't beat the best teams by himself. Even if you're the greatest player, you're not beating the best teams by yourself. And it took the maturation of Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant gaining the weight, lifting the weights, adding to their scoring ability, uh, becoming better offensive players, becoming better defenders. And by the time those guys got to year four, the Bulls were unbeatable. So the question was, how can I improve the quality of my performance? You have to work on your game. I don't know what your game is, what it is that you do, but you should always be in a constant state of improvement. Reverend Coleman told me years ago, um, you know, when she was still running the ministry, that the moment she stops trying to improve is the day she knows it's time to step away. And I remember having the conversation with her, and, and I'm not saying I had this sole conversation with her, but, you know, I, I was blessed to have this relationship with her. Why, you know, she would call me and I would call her and all that stuff. She would fuss at me because I didn't call enough, but that's a 
conversation for another day. And she said to me, I don't want to, I don't want to do all this work now. I don't want to write the notes and go to the places and learn this and do that and the other. And we had the conversation. That was, that was her way of saying, I'm ready to walk away from this because I'm unwilling at this point to continue to push myself to even be better than what I've already produced because she was obviously out striping people in ministry, but she want, she was always seeking a better way to do a thing. And I think she got to a point where she realized like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this any better. I don't know if I want to continue to strive to be better. And this conversation I was having with her, she was, you know, now we would know she was in her early 80s. And she was still striving up to that point to be better. How can how can I serve my people better? How can I lead them better? How can I teach them better? How can I preach better? How can I make my staff more efficient? How can I make my board more productive? She was always thinking that way, always jumping on a plane. Uh, I can remember her taking me and several uh, leaders in the ministry to a conference in California for eight days. And not only did we go to the conference, a church leadership conference for eight days, then we went to another church, uh, Robert Shuler's church, to, to see what they were doing. That was the type of leader she was. And it was all based upon how can you improve and do what you do better. And, and what was funny, when we would be in the conference, it, uh, she was sitting next to me. Now, she's in a room with people. It's 3,200 people in the room. And she's one of the most successful people in the in the room. At the time, biggest church in Chicago. You know, she has, you know, you know, almost 50 years of ministry. At that point, I think it was 45 years in ministry. And she is writing down every point. We had workbooks with blanks. And she was like, Galen, I missed this point. Uh, whatever. Let me see your book. What did you write next to that? You know, she was trying to get every little nugget. And she was already the top, uh, one of the top ministers in the country. And it was an example to follow, not just for me, but the other people who studied under her and followed under her leadership to always strive to improve. How can you get better? All right. I'm jumping some pages to page 112. Again, you know, I'm not teaching the chapter page by page. But this book is fabulous and it gives great stories. So if you don't have the book, The Magic of Thinking Big, I strongly suggest yet again you get the book and follow me chapter by chapter. So he, he wrote, I love this, capacity is a state of mind. Capacity is a state of mind. How much we can do depends on how much we think we can do. When you really believe you can do more, your mind thinks creatively and shows the way. Again, when you really believe you can do more. Your mind thinks creatively and shows you the way. Some people get stressed because they believe that's their capacity. Now, I do believe that people are only 
as effective as their ability to handle the stress, what they believe is their capacity. The, the higher the pressure, the stress, and you feel it, and you process it many times, that diminishes your effectiveness. You know, going back to the Horace Grant story uh, in the Chicago Bulls, there there was a time when I remember when Horace said, it doesn't make a difference if I don't score any points. We got Michael Jordan, in, and they were in the NBA Finals. Or, or was it the NBA Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals? I can't remember right now. And then he went out the next day and scored like one point. All right? Sometimes the stress of the moment can get to you. You have to be mindful. All right. Turn to page 115. All right. So he he wrote, in business, in the home, in the community, the success combination is do what you do better, improve the quality of your output, and do more of what you do. Increase the quantity of your output. So it's not just enough to do something better that you're already doing, but do more of it or produce more results. Now, let me be clear. Do more of what you do does not always mean put more time in. Because there is a such thing as efficiency. To go back to my basketball analogy, young Michael Jordan had to have the ball in his hand a lot. He had a high usage rate. You know, get the ball in the top of the key, dribble left, dribble right, drive, whatever. Whole game, he was just in a in attack mode with the dribble. When he started playing for Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson was like, well, we're going to have Scotty have the ball in his hand, and we're going to give you the ball with places where all you got to do is get the ball, shoot, or pass immediately but it'll keep you in scoring mode. You don't have to dribble, 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 sort of like James Harden does now. James Harden's really great. But dribble, 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 like 15 dribbles before you decide to take a shot. So Michael Jordan became more efficient even though he hit the ball less. Efficiency matters to produce more results. Figure out how you can be more efficient. So he goes on to say... um, give some examples of how you can do it. He wrote, eagerly accept the opportunity to do more. Sometimes it's easy just to say no. Or I'm busy. Or I have whatever. But uh, as he wrote in this chapter that he never trusts a lazy person or a person that has too much time to get stuff done. Always seek to get help from people who are already busy. People who lounge around and don't get stuff done in their own lives is not going to make your life work and get stuff done for you. All right? So eagerly accept the opportunity to do more. Number two, next, concentrate on how can I do more? And then he gives some examples. So bottom of page 115, what I just stated, I love it. As a personal policy, I have accepted fully the concept. If you want it done, get a busy man or person. I refuse to work on important projects with persons who have lots of free time. I have learned from painful, expensive experience that the fella who has plenty of time makes an ineffective work partner. All the successful, competent people I know are busy. You know, sometimes I have people call me and they'll say, are you busy? 
Yes, I'm busy. What do you need? Because you should assume I'm busy. I have a busy life. I may or may not be busy in that moment. But there are times when you have to be mindful of not allowing even those who matter the most to you to steal your efficiency when your mind is on the work. Now, I'm not saying don't decompress, don't give people who matter to you, your your spouse, your significant other, your children, your family, your friends, the time that they deserve. What I am saying is focus on your efficiency so when it's time to be efficient, be efficient. And when it's time to pull back, you're being efficient with your family and friends. All right? And when you need to get stuff done, don't get the the, the lazy dude to do it. Get people who are who are mindful of their time because they efficient people want to get things done as well and as quickly as uh, as humanly possible. Get it done efficiently and as quickly as humanly possible. That's efficiency. Now. I can remember uh, I have you know I have an older brother that works in construction and one of, and one of my best friends also works in construction different jobs, but one of the things that they all often talk about is how on some of these projects there can be a bonus to getting it done ahead of schedule ahead of schedule because everybody's seen people tear up the roads and. And all the highways, and it's like, man, why is it taking so long for this to be done? Because you know it's taxpayer dollars paying for many times these roads. Somebody, you know, a highway is, you know, tore up for two years. Like, dude, how long does it take to get this done? Efficiency matters. All right. Then he talks about listening versus talking. When you're working with people, learn how to listen. Learn how to tap into their creativity. All right? So he gives some steps on page 118 about, he calls it uh, this three-stage program to strengthen your creativity through asking and listening. Number one, encourage others to talk. It's easy just to give your opinion as the leader. But sometimes when you give your opinion as the leader right up front, then other people are scared to talk. Give other people the opportunity to give input. Number two, test your own views in the form of questions. In other words, throw out the ideas. Now, remember, whether it's your idea or somebody else's idea, remember, once the idea hits the table, it's open for discussion. If you don't want the idea open for discussion, then it's very difficult to be able to have dialogue that will allow it that will allow improvement. Number three, concentrate on what the other person says. Listening is more than just keeping your mouth shut. Listening means letting what letting what's said penetrate your mind. In other words, people are in the space with someone, but they're not really listening. They hear, you know, audible, you know, uh, utterances, but they're not necessarily listening. And there is a difference. All right. All right. So he gives some other examples about how you can learn how to think big. First one is 
page 121. First, join and meet regularly with at least one professional group that provides stimulation in your own occupational area. Rub shoulders and minds with other success-oriented people. So you should go to your conferences. You should go to those meetings. You can develop a mastermind group. You can do a whole bunch of different things. Be creative, all right? Second, on page 122, second, join and participate in at least one group outside your occupational interests. Why? So you can just be exposed to a different way of thinking. Still successful people, but diff a different way of thinking, all right? Then he goes on to talk about ideas are fruit, fruits of your thinking, but they've got to be harnessed and put to work to have value. Then he says, uh, he gives, and we're going to wrap up with this. He says, so it is with ideas. Very few bear fruit. Ideas are highly perishable. If we're not on guard, the squirrels, negative thinking people, will destroy most of them. Ideas require special handling from the time they are born until they are transformed into practical ways for doing things. So it gives these examples of how you can do it really quickly. Number one, don't let ideas escape. I already talked about that. Don't let ideas escape. Write them down. Number two, next, review your ideas. You should have a method of going back and looking at your ideas, whatever that is. He talks about file cabinets and all that. I just use my phone. Number three, cultivate and fertilize your idea. Now make your idea grow. Think about it. Tie the idea to related ideas. Read anything that you can uh, to help you shape the idea. Investigate your idea. And if it's something that's worthy of producing fruit, make sure you take action to do what you need to do. All right? All right? So next week, we're going to cover you are what you think you are. You are what you think you are. So this is going to be a way we can cover what we need to do to handle what we need to handle. So just be mindful. You can think big. Get the material. Work on your on yourself. Again, it works if you work it. You have to work it. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.